Good morning, everybody. Let's get Mark chapter 4, please. Mark chapter 4, and we'll begin reading this morning, verse number 34. Mark chapter 4, verse 34. That's a bit too high. That's a bit too high. Mark 4, 34. Mark chapter 4, and verse 34. And the Bible says here, But without a parable, spake he not unto them, and when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. So Jesus had been teaching the multitude on a beachfront, by the way. That's how you do church. Amen. You assemble at the beach <laughs> and have all day Bible study. That's, that is lecker. <laughs> After this all day Bible study, can you imagine how tired Jesus was? He had been giving them parable after parable after parable, trying to expound the kingdom of God. And that, he's just getting started. Because after he finished with the multitude, he goes aside privately and his disciples have a bunch of follow-up questions. Have you seen what happens after church service here? We preach to the congregation and then there's a, generally a cue. Pastor, what about this? Pastor, what about that? And it, there are Sundays that I'm here till 1.30. Because this, this is the party and then there's an after party. <laughs> and when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. So he probably said even more to the disciples than he did the multitude. Verse 35, In the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. So they're at the Sea of Galilee. So he's going to head over across the sea. So the day is not done. Jesus was a busy man. Any of you have busy lives? Where you feel like it's nonstop, one thing after the other, after the other. Boy, do you need to study the life of Jesus. Because <laughs> he was one busy, busy man. You need to know that so that you can appreciate what we're going to read next. He says in verse 36, And when they had sent away the multitude, interesting. So he comes out of the house, going to get in the boat. As they come out of the house where they were privately gathered for their little Bible study, they find the multitude didn't go anywhere. They were ready for the evening service. <laughs> the same crowd that was there in the morning was there in the evening. Am I being subtle? <laughs> like a hammer. <laughs> and they sent them away. And it's time to travel. So they had to say, guys, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint. We don't have the matinee. You, there's no follow-up to this. I'm sorry. Uh, Jesus has got plans on the other side of the sea. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full and he Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow now that that should stand out to you because you don't read too many places in the gospels where Jesus got a nap or where he had the opportunity to lay down and rest anywhere. No doubt, 
in his human form. He did sleep and eat and go through all the motions like a human would. But this one time in this story, it's pointed out that he, got, he actually had a chance to rest. Now, as I said, because he's so busy, it makes this noteworthy. He fell asleep because he was tired, plumb worn out. He says in verse 38, or the Bible says, he's asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I can't do the text justice, but you know they were yelling this. How do you know this? Have you ever stood next to the shore and had the waves crash in when the wind's blowing? It's so loud you can barely hear the person next to you. They are in the middle of of this body of water and it's a storm so they didn't calmly say master cares now they this is an exclamation along with a question it says in verse 39 and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm and he said unto them why are ye so fearful that question always intrigues me. Uh, that's got to be rhetorical, right? <laughs> Jesus, you don't need me to answer that, do you? <laughs> we are experienced fishermen. We've been through a storm or two. We know when it's time to get afraid. <laughs> what do you mean, why are you so fearful? There's a storm and the boat is full of water. If there's ever a time to fear, it's right now. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see, they do not deny his humanity. They know that he was altogether human. But through this event, they get to know Jesus a whole lot better. With that in mind, I'd like to pray and then preach to you a sermon called Rock the Boat. Rock the Boat. Father, we come to you in, in the name of our Savior and your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our desire in life, Lord, is to know you. And I thank you for making that possible by coming down to this earth in human form, manifesting God to us. Thank you for dying in our place so that we might be reconciled and know you. Lord, we don't want the boat to rock. But if that's what it takes to know you better, Lord, please rock the boat. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you what I hope is rhetorical. I, I hope I know the answer to this. How many of you would like to know the Lord better? Right? That, that's, I think, I think generally the answer to that is yes, I would like to know the Lord better. Would you like to grow in your faith? Again, yes. Now some of you know that's the right answer. You would give that answer because you know that's the appropriate thing to say, but deep down it may not be of the greatest interest to you. But I, I know this from experience and I know it from the text. There are simple ways to grow in faith. There are simpler ways to learn more about Jesus. You can read the Bible. Amen. That, that's a fairly simple way 
to learn more about the Lord and to grow in your faith. You can, you can spend time with other Christians and hear their testimonies. There's several simpler ways to learn and to grow. But I dare say that some of the greatest lessons you'll ever learn about the Lord, you can only learn when He rocks the boat. When life gives you the greatest of storms, you get to see the greatest parts of God. And I'm not saying that this is something that we look forward to. It's not as if we get in the boat and say, man, today I hope it all falls to pieces. I get that. But folks, let's be honest. The boat is going to rock. No matter how good of a sailor you are, you cannot control the wind and the waves. There are going to be times when the storms hit you unexpectedly. It happens to everyone. So when the boat begins to rock, that is the time when you can take advantage of that storm and draw closer to and learn more about the Lord Jesus Christ than at any other time in your life. And this may even be a problem that you've gone through before. These disciples had been through storms before. Don't you think that? They're fishermen. Many of them were fishermen. They've been on this exact body of water, maybe in this same boat before. And as the storm hits, they think to themselves, here we go again. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse. And they think, man, I don't know if we're going to make it through this one. Maybe some of you are going through something and you've been through some tough things before. And you've seen God get you through, but now the storm that you're in today, you think to yourself, I, I don't know if I can make it through this one. It says in verse 41, they feared exceedingly. Do you see that? Did they fear the storm? Yes, but by the end of this story, they feared something more than the storm. They got to see literally the hand of God still the waters. This situation went from awful to awesome. It, with just a few words from the mouth of Christ, Him rising up and saying, Peace be still. And I want to encourage some of you, maybe the boat is rocking. And as the disciples did, you need to just hang on. Because by the end of this thing, you, you're going to see the Lord differently than you did before. You're going to look at Him not as just another man, not as just another God like the world thinks of God's, but you're going to see Him in all of His glory. As the Bible says, Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all we could ask or think. How does God push the boundaries of our mind and how we think about Him? How does He get us to expand our thinking about Him and recognize just how great He is? He allows situations in life to arise where He can rise above them. And then we see exceeding, verse 41, exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. They did not, listen, these disciples did not know Jesus could do this. 
They did not know that he could get them through this. Obviously, they thought that he could do something. That's why they woke him up. Master, at the very least, when they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish, at the very least, they're saying, wouldn't you like to be awake while we die together? (laughs) Wouldn't you like to know that you're about to die with us? (laughs) At the very least, right? But when he stands up and says, peace be still, and gets them through it, I I guarantee this is the look on the face of the disciples. Mouth open, jaw on the bottom of the boat. What? How did you? They had no idea that when they called upon the Lord in the day of their trouble, that he could do that. They had no idea just how great this man was in the boat. They had no idea. He stands up and does this and then it causes them to ask the question, again more of an exclamation, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They say, okay, we thought we knew this guy. There is more to him than we realized. It's a good chance today that there's more to the Lord than you know now. And one of the things He'll do to open your eyes so that you can see just how great He is, He'll rock the boat. He'll rock the boat. Let's not forget that it was Jesus that told them to get into this boat. You know, sometimes we get angry at the Lord when things go wrong. We point the finger at God and we say, but you told me to do this. You told me to get into this boat. You put me in this predicament. These disciples could have said that. Turned into an awesome situation. Can I point out just a few things from the passage before we head to the house? In verse 35, the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. The reason I want to point this verse out to you, Jesus had a plan to get them from point A to point B. He said, get in the boat, We're going to the other side. Do you know what faith is? Faith is believing what God said. That's what faith is. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when God reveals something to you and says something to you and you accept that, that is you putting faith in what he said. That is the basis of our faith. What did God say? Jesus said, let's go to the other side. So before you start your journey as a Christian, you need to know, I'm going to make it. Jesus said, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. And you have to remember that because as you're on this journey, storms are going to start and make you doubt that. You're going to be in the boat and it's rocking side to side and the water's filling up and everything you can see with your eyes says, you're not going to make it. This is going to finish you. You have to walk by faith and not by sight. You can't look at the storms. You can't look at the boat filling up with water. You have to look at the one asleep on the pillow in the back of the boat and say, that guy said we're going to the other side. Now either he's a liar or he's going to get us out of this somehow. You need to know the promises of God. You need to know what he said the plan was. 
The plan is when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into you and begins to conform you to the image of Christ until the day you hear a trumpet sound and you're called up to be with the Lord forever. That's the plan. You're going to make it to the other side. You need to remember that when the boat starts to rock. He says in verse 36, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. Now just historically speaking, practically speaking, what all this means is they didn't have time to buy him any food. If he, if he was hungry, as he left the house, they took him to the boat hungry. See, as he was. They didn't have time for him to take a, a shower, bath, clean up a little bit, change his clothes. They took him as he was. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to preach this for a moment. You need to take Jesus as he is. You don't need to dress him up. You don't need to take away from him. You don't need to add anything to him. He's perfect just the way he is. But you do need to know who the real Jesus is. For a lot of Christians, the Jesus they know is the one of folklore and ofro stories. Did I say it right? They've heard of this Jesus and they hear these strange stories from odd sources, but they have yet to get to know the biblical Jesus, which is the real Jesus. Amen. Paul said to the Corinthians, some other preachers are coming and telling you about another Jesus. Do you know what to expect from the biblical Jesus? You need to take him as he is. And I'll tell you why this is important. You get in the boat, it starts to rock, you think you're going down, and you might have expectations about what this Jesus should do, but if you got the wrong Jesus in your boat, you're going to end up sadly disappointed and angry at God, angry at Christianity, thinking that Jesus failed. You had the wrong Jesus in your boat. Take him as he is, this one, the one that we read about in God's Word. In verse 36, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. I find that interesting. Why, why do you think Mark put that in there? What, why is that detail in the story? I mean, the only ship that matters is the one Jesus is in. But then he took time to write that as a separate sentence. Oh, by the way, there were some other little ships too. Well, great. There were probably birds there too. <laughs> why, why tell us this? Did you know that the problems you're going through, people out there in the world are also going through the same problems? Because when this storm kicked up, please don't think that the storm only affected the Christian boat. All those little ships felt the power of that storm. My, what a sobering and helpful thought. Those other little ships didn't have Jesus in the boat. What do you think they were doing when it got bad? Don't you think their boats filled up? Have you ever had so many problems you say, I've had it up to here? Huh? I've had it up to here. Their boat was filled up to here. Did you know there are, there are millions of people in this world going through horrible things and they have nowhere to turn. They have no hope. They're without hope, without God. They have no access or knowledge 
of the Bible. Can you imagine the desperation they feel? How lonely it must be to turn to the hinder part of the ship and see no one there to help. In verse 37, there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. I am not a boat person. I like stable ground under my feet. You get in a boat and this thing starts going this way and this way. And I, even on a calm day, right? <laughs> I'm not a boat guy. For that matter, I'm not an open water guy. You, you folks that do these uh, Ironman marathons, my hat's off to you. Couldn't do it. I don't mind swimming in a pool where I can control the conditions, but you put me out there in the ocean and start swimming in that thing, number one, it tastes nasty. Have you ever got a mouthful of seawater? It's bad. And those, those waves start carrying you out farther and farther. I, I don't want to be out there at all. Now, I, I, I say that to kind of preface my point here. There might be a temptation to forsake the boat in this story. Because the boat's filling up with water, pretty soon the boat is not going to be of any use. And the thought might cross your mind, jump in the water and swim for it. Now, I'm not a boat guy. I don't even know if that would be a sensible option. But you know the boat's going down. So that's not an option. None of these disciples even thought about forsaking the boat, from what we could tell. From what we could tell, they're going down in the boat. Now, allow me a little room here to make a point. Where two or three are gathered, in the name of Jesus Christ, He promised to, to, to do what? To be in the midst of them, right? So in this boat, there's not just two or three, you've got about 12. So that's like Jesus times four now. <laughs> So, so you, have, you have a gathering in Jesus' name. There is He in the midst of them. That kind of sounds like a church. Did you know that when the storms of life hit, the safest place to be is in the boat? Don't jump ship. I, 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 there's a phenomenon that I don't understand. and it happened, It's not a South African thing. It's happened everywhere I've, I've ministered. People go through tough times. And the first thing they do is say, I, I, I'm not in the mood to go to church. That's like a sick guy saying, I'm too sick to go to the hospital. And people say, well, let me, let me get things sorted out. Let me get my head straight. Let me get through this. Then I'll come back to church. Um, again, that's the sick guy saying, let me get to feeling better, then I'll go to the hospital. <laughs> I agree, you're feeling pretty sick <laughs> up here. <laughs> that, that just doesn't make sense. I know this, so, sometimes you don't feel like doing it though. So, sometimes the thought might cross your mind, let me just get out of this ship. It's not doing me any good. I've been showing up for the church services and nothing's touching my heart and I just don't feel connected. Just hang on a little bit. Don't jump ship. 
you might feel as if the Lord is ignoring your situation, asleep on the pillow in the back of the boat, just give Him time. Stay as close and as near to Him as you can so that when He stands up and says, peace be still, you have a front row seat for it. Verse 38, and when He was, I'm sorry, He was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake Him. And saying to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I wonder how long they waited to, to call upon the Lord. Maybe you're like me. Problems happen and first option is let me fix it. And once I have exhausted all of my options and I still didn't fix it, then I'll pray about it. What if we were to take big and small everything in life, take it to the Lord and, and at least let Him weigh in on it. He might tell you to do the very thing you were planning to do, but at least include Him in on it. How long did they wait before they said, don't you care? Which brings me to another point. This is a legitimate question. When you're going through the worst problem you've ever had and you don't see the Lord doing anything, it's a legitimate question. Do you still care? Now, now be careful what attitude you ask him that with. If you're asking this with a bad attitude, you may not like your answer so much. But if you go to him and say, Lord, I believe that you do care, but I don't understand why you're sleeping. Not through this problem. Why haven't you done something yet? Why don't you at least wake up and comfort us in our time of need? Why, Lord, why are you so quiet? Why are you hiding? I would dare say, though, you don't want to ask the Lord, do you care? I know we might feel like that. And we wonder that. And I get it. I get it. I've made this mistake as well. I've asked the Lord this. But has He ever given us a reason to doubt that He cares? There's never been a situation if you'll just give it time, he eventually proves how much he cares. You guys know the song we sing about it, right? When we've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me, my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks, does he care? And the answer is, oh yes, he cares. You're just going to have to give him a little bit of time to prove how much he cares. In verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind. And said unto the sea, peace be still. Well, he made it. So he can tell it to do whatever he wants it to do. Man, that's outstanding. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Can you imagine the noise that had been crashing and banging and lightning clapping and all oh, the noise that must have been all around them and then in an instant, a hush falls over the crowd. <laughs> and everything just dies down. The silence would have been deafening at that point. I, I, I like to think when it says great calm, in my mind I tie this to the verse where Paul said that he can give you a peace that passes all understanding. And he'll keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Because there are times that you're going through it and you think, man, how am I going to get out of this? And God just comes in, and instead of saying it to the winds and waves, He just says it straight to your heart. Peace, be still. 
I'm going to get you through this. And a peace comes over you and you wonder, now I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I got Jesus in the boat and as long as he's in the boat and he, he said we're going to make it, we're going to make it. Man, I, I'm just, I, instead of looking at the winds and waves, I'm just going to stare at him for a while. I'm just going to turn my eyes upon Jesus and see what else I can learn about him. The wind ceased, there was a great calm. And he said unto them, so Jesus has rebuked the wind, he's rebuked the waves, and now he's going to rebuke the weak-hearted disciples. <laughs> Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Ooh. You see, he had promised, he had said, we are going to the other side. The storm evidently had caused them to forget that. He says, guys, where's your faith? Where's your faith? The trials of life will rock your boat. It'll shake your faith. During those tough times, it's more important than ever to hang on to the promises of God. The exceed, doesn't it say in 2 Peter, the exceeding great and precious promises of God. Do you know them? Do you know where they're at? Have you read them? Have you seen God perform them? He says in verse 41, And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? After this occasion, never again do we read where the apostles come to Jesus and say, Do you care if we perish? It answered that question. They learned something about Jesus that day that they hadn't known before. They knew he was the Son of God. They had figured out he was the Christ. But now they're getting to see His power as the Creator of heaven and earth. That He can control the wind and the waves. They didn't know that before. So I end my sermon where I began it. Would you like to learn more about Jesus? Would you like for your faith to grow? How about you take advantage of this storm that's blowing around in your life? Hang on to the boat as best you can. I mean, get a good grip. And don't look at the wind as much as, it, as, much as you can. Try, try not to think about the waves. Don't look at the water in the boat. Just turn around and look at the one asleep on the, on the pillow in the hinder end of the ship. Just, just turn your eyes upon Jesus and patiently wait and say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But I'm not going to forsake the boat and I'm not going to forsake you. I can't wait to see what you're going to show me next. You can take this awful situation and turn it into an awesome day. Guys, when he rocks the boat, hang on tight and get ready to learn. As that song says, it will be worth it all. To get to know a little bit more about Jesus, these storms are worth it. Let's all stand, if you would, please. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed.
heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm, I'm, I will not even pretend that this sermon doesn't speak directly to what I'm going through. My boat is rocking. My hands are getting weak from holding on to the sides of the boat. Sometimes you just want to let go and let the sea take you. But then you think about all those other little ships that don't have Jesus in the boat. And you have to remember how blessed you are to have Jesus so near. He's in my boat. I will not fear, the Bible says, what man shall do unto me. Isn't that what the verse says? The Lord is my helper. He said, I'll never leave thee. I'll never forsake thee. You need to cling to those promises. Friend, if you're here this morning, maybe you're in one of those other little ships. You're also going through life just like the rest of us, but you don't have Jesus in your boat. Sir, ma'am, one day, one day you're going to be called upon to cross the stormy depths of death. And if you don't have Jesus in the boat, you have no hope of making it. Do you have peace in your heart today that if, if you died, you'd go straight to heaven? Has the Holy Spirit come in and said to your troubled, sinful soul, peace, be still. If you've never been saved, you, you can change that today. Now, some of you maybe are struggling with whatever the storm is. I'd like to pray for you this morning. I don't always ask it this way, but some of you I know you're hanging on tight and your boat is rocking more than ever and you don't know how you're going to make it. Can I pray for you, please? Would you just slip your hand up and you can put it right back down and say, Pastor, pray for me. I've never felt the boat move like this. Thank you. Oh my, look at those hands. Wow, wow. Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate the honesty. Can we pray for each other? Would you do that? Father, you put us in this boat. Lord, I'd rather be in the boat with you than standing on a peaceful shore. Lord, the beachside Bible studies are wonderful. The boat ride isn't so great. But Lord, if we get to learn more about you, it's, it's worth it. 
Father, we're calling out to you as the creator of heaven and earth. You can move mountains if you so desire. Our faith is not in, our, in the strength of our hands to hold on. Our faith is in the strength of your hands to hold on to us. Oh, please, God, so many people put their hands up now. You know their storm. We don't know why you wait so long. Lord, we ask that you please arise, calm the seas. Lord, more than that, we ask that you'd give them a great peace that passes all understanding. Help us, Lord, to patiently wait for you to work. We want to use this storm to know you better. Please, God, help these help these folks that are going through it right now. And Father, maybe some are here today and don't have Jesus in the boat at all. Touch their hearts and save them today. Father, please bring us back tonight. We want to be ready to hear more from you. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen.